Hello, and welcome to the Boilers Extra podcast. I am not Mike Carmen. Uh, if you are a regular listener of the Boilers Extra podcast, or if you happen to catch the last episode, uh, you will know that uh, Mike has moved on for looking for other opportunities. He is no longer uh, at the Journal and Courier. Uh, definitely wish him well. Uh, with that said, my name is Sam King, uh, not the Purdue men's basketball walk-on uh, Sam King, but uh, the Sam King that has been a reporter at the Journal and Courier for the past 15 years. I imagine that many of you likely know me or at least know of me. Uh, I've m- mainly covered high school sports uh, throughout the past 15 years. i also done some Purdue stuff, typically as a secondary reporter uh, for Purdue football, I've uh, also done some men's basketball, women's basketball, uh, quite a bit of volleyball coverage, baseball, softball, swimming, diving, golf, soccer, kind of a jack-of-all-trades, whatever needs to be done type of situation. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to what you're here for, uh, most likely uh, to hear about uh, the new man in charge of Purdue football. It is uh, Ryan Walters, 36-year-old, uh, was the defensive coordinator at Illinois, uh, comes in, you know, he's done a, a pretty good job there the last two years uh, with the Illini, uh, most uh, notably this past season. Uh, Illinois goes 8-4, and four, really surprised a lot of teams, had the number one scoring defense in the country, uh, allowed just north of 12 points a game, uh, number two in the nation in yards allowed, uh, around 263, uh, 263 yards a game or so. Um, so, those are numbers that are pretty staggering. Um, definitely bucks the trend of uh, what you expect for a Purdue football coaching hire. Uh, typically, they've gone the uh, offensive-minded coach route. Uh, even a uh, little bit older coaches, you know, thirty-six is a uh, pretty young to become a head coach in the Big Ten. But uh, it's a he was a hot name. He's a hot commodity. Uh, a lot of schools, uh, you know, had him on the radar. And I think that he was going to be uh, a head coach sooner rather than later. And um, now he gets his opportunity uh, for the first time uh, at Purdue. Um, so who's Ryan Walters? Uh, I told you he was the defensive coordinator at Illinois. He's a, a former standout safety uh, at Colorado. Um, got his coaching start there after he was done playing. Then he moved on and became a grad assistant at Arizona for a couple of years, uh, made several stops uh, between then and now, uh, Oklahoma, North Texas, Memphis. He was at Missouri for five years uh, before going to Illinois. So uh, that is the man in charge of, uh, of Purdue football. I've seen uh, on social media, through emails, other things, uh, where people kind of knocked the fact that uh, Purdue scored 31 points against them last year, can he really be that great of a, a coach? Well, Purdue's 31 points against Illinois this season were far and away the most that any team scored against the Illini. Um, and you, you kind of you know factor that out. The, it just uh, was a game where Purdue was in a dire situation where it, if it was going to get to the Big Ten title game, which it ultimately did, uh, had to beat Illinois and, and um did so putting some points up in the second half. Um, you know, and 31 is not an outlandish number. Uh, you can also look and say, well, uh, the week after that, Illinois held Michigan to 19 points and really probably 
uh, could have beaten Michigan, which uh, if that had happened, we're not talking about Michigan in the college football playoffs. So uh, there's a, you know, there's a fine line to walk there. Um, a lot of games last year where teams scored zero, six, six, nine, whatever it is, points against the Illini. So uh, it's definitely a, a different look for Purdue football to have a guy that's a, a defensive first coach. But uh, as it always is the case, uh, it all depends on the staff that he puts around him. And I imagine that uh, an offensive coordinator that uh, can come in here and um, complement what Coach Walters wants to do defensively um, with that offense is going to be key. Is it a good hire? Is it a bad hire? Um, clearly, we don't know yet. It's something you find out um, usually two, three years down the road. Um, but I think that athletic director Mike Bobinski has uh, earned the right to be trusted by Purdue fans um, with what he did, bringing Jeff Brom in as his, kind of his first move after becoming athletic director. And, and he tied himself to Jeff Brom um, when he was, was named athletic director and brought Brom in as the football coach. And um, there were people back then that uh, did not think that that was a good move. Why, are, why is Purdue uh, going the route of, of you know, the hot name at a small school as it always does. And um, Jeff Brown proved to be the right hire, in my opinion. Uh, people can argue and debate that all they want. Um, but the guy in six years went to four bowl games. I think he pretty much maximized what he could do in terms of you know taking the Purdue football program to a higher level. He won nine games in a season. He beat Tennessee in a bowl game uh, without his two best players last season. Uh, gets to the Big Ten championship game this year. The team has a chance to win nine games in back-to-back years. Um, things that don't typically happen at Purdue, and, and they've happened uh, with uh, Jeff Brom in charge of the program. So did he lose some games that he probably should have won? Yes, that that's the case. That will be the co- case with any head coach at any program in America. Um, you're going to lose games that you shouldn't or that people think you shouldn't at times. Uh, he also won games that nobody thought that he should. So, you know, he was, uh, until they played Michigan in the uh, Big Ten title game, the Boilermakers were 3-0 and against top three teams under Jeff Brom. So um, a lot of success there. Uh, still, clearly, there is some football left this season uh, with the upcoming bowl game on January 2nd uh, against LSU. Um, Jeff Brom will not be coaching that game. Ryan Walters will not be coaching that game. Um, but Brian Brom, uh, Jeff's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach over the past six seasons at Purdue, uh, will be the, the man in charge there. He's going to be the head coach. People will remember that he did, uh, step in for Jeff, uh, in the 2020 season and beat Iowa when Jeff Brom had COVID. So, um, you know, has a chance to leave Purdue because it sounds like he's on his way to Louisville after that game, um, to an O as a head coach. So, uh, I'm sure Boilermaker fans would be thrilled if you can go to Orlando and, and get out of there with a win against LSU. Um, Mark Hagan also will be going to Louisville after that game. He's the defensive coordinator who was kind of, you know, it sounded like on the fence whether he wanted to to stay or go at Purdue or at least wait and see who the new hire was before making a decision. Uh, I don't know if it um, helped or hurt, you know, his decision-making, the fact that uh, – Ryan Walters is a defensive guy and probably going to be in charge of that defense. Mark Hagan is a defensive guy who has been in charge of that defense. You know, I imagine 
that probably did not help his decision in terms of, you know, should I get to know the new coach and see if I want to stick around in West Lafayette. So um, he's going to move on. You know, it sounds like probably uh, most, if not all of uh, Jeff Brom's staff is going to move on either to Louisville or elsewhere. And uh, Ryan Walters is going to have to, to hire a, a new staff. Uh, so, you know, I imagine that's what his priorities are right now is getting a staff in place. And, um, you know, I, I guess his first priority was walking in and giving Devin Maccabee a scholarship, which was going to happen regardless of who the head coach was. Uh, Devin clearly earned that over the course of the season, almost an, an accidental superstar uh, per se with what he did. Um, the season didn't start until week five. He still got a chance to rack up a thousand yards as a freshman, which, uh, no running back in Purdue history has done their freshman season. Um, and I imagine that he'll be a big part of the offense, whoever is, is running that offense moving forward. And I, I doubt that it hurts Maccabee's status, uh, in terms of being a scholarship player next year. Uh, the fact that he rushed for over a hundred yards in a touchdown and then, had 20-plus receiving yards against Illinois last season um, to lead Purdue past the Illini. So uh, Ryan Walters saw firsthand uh, what Devin Maccabee is all about, and um, now he's got him on his team. So uh, I'm sure he's thrilled about that. The reason that it was so uh, important that Purdue make a quick hire, but also uh, I know some fans were were frustrated that it took a week um, to do so, you want to make the right hire or the one that you believe is the right hire. And I believe that uh, Michael Berghoff and, and Mark Bo- or, uh, Mike Bobinski at Purdue um, did their due diligence, probably had a short list of people that these are the, the people we want to call and see if they're interested. Uh, these are the people we want to interview. And um, you had to get a coach in here probably by the end of this week, to be honest, uh, because the uh, upcoming um, national signing day or the early signing period for uh, college football is, is fast approaching on December 21st. And uh, Purdue's already lost five of its 19 verbal commitments since Jeff Brom has taken the job at Louisville. Um, some of those have already committed to Louisville, and that's not uncommon. This, this happens when there's coaching changes all the time. Uh, some of the players who remain of those 14 uh, verbally committed to Purdue are um, receiving scholarship offers from other major programs, which is also not unusual. Um, coaches that maybe were recruiting and lost out to Purdue come back in um, and say, hey, now that there's been a coaching change, uh, do you want to reconsider and maybe come to our school? So, um, you know, it's always good to listen. Um, always good to listen and have a conversation, especially when you don't know what your status is going to be with the new coach. And if you're, you know, what you believe uh, to be your so- a good system fit at Purdue maybe no longer is. So, um it's important that uh, that Ryan Walters gets in here and tries to salvage as much of those verbal commitments as they can, as well as um, salvaging uh, what he can of players who may want to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Purdue has, I believe, right now four, most notably uh, offensive guard Spencer Holstedge, uh, three-year starter. He's got two years of eligibility left. That is a, a big, big blow for the Boilermakers um, to not have him moving forward. So um, you don't want to lose any more guys like that. The uh, other names that are currently in the transfer portal, um, it's being reported that Kobe Lewis, backup running back, um, that saw some spot duty, a few carries last season, or this season, I guess, um, 
is in the portal. I have not confirmed that, but um, that's being reported. Uh, the other two would be uh, Kyle Billadu. He's a backup tight end. Uh, was highly regarded coming out of high school to Purdue. Has played some um, the past couple years. Uh, but he'll have two years of eligibility moving forward. And then uh, Ricky Smith, who came in as a linebacker uh, this past season. He, he switched to cornerback. Uh, has not played in two years. So um, not monumental damage um, with the, those three um, possibly leaving the program. Uh, but Spencer Holstead indeed is a, a big loss and. Uh, Ryan Walters, I'm sure, would like to avoid uh, losing any more if he can. Um, and then he's going to probably look into that transfer portal and see what is available. He's going to probably look at the players he recruited uh, to Illinois and say, hey, you're, you want to flip that commitment over to Purdue. I'm sure that uh, he'll be able to get a, a couple players that way. I'm sure that uh, in this transfer portal, there's some uh, some interesting names Um kind of speculating here and not saying that he's going to recruit these players or anything else. But um, Carson Steele, is a, he was Ball State's running back this season, had 1,500-plus rushing yards. He's a former Indiana Mr. Football, uh, played at Center Grove, won a state championship there. Um, he's an interesting name because uh, the question about him coming out of high school was, could he do it at the college level? And now he has gone to Ball State and proven that he can. So, um, you know, Purdue does need help at running back. Um, possibly that's a name. Uh, Jansen Dunn, who was a highly regarded uh, safety uh, coming out of high school, uh, I believe in Kentucky, went to Ohio State and uh, played quite a bit as a freshman, got hurt, did not play so much uh, this season. But uh, he has uh, put his name in the portal. And, you know, Ryan Walters being a former safety who's coached safeties throughout his career, um, maybe that's an interesting look where it's like, hey, there's a guy that knows uh, he can coach me up and, and um, you know, maximize my potential. So uh, just kind of spitballing a couple of names there. There's clearly a thousand names in there, and I did not go through all of them. But um, I imagine that uh, some of those will come to light as uh, Ryan Walters and his uh, staff that he brings in starts recruiting. So we'll jump from football uh, to men's basketball and uh Maybe somewhat overshadowed um, is that the men's basketball team is now the number one ranked team in the Associated Press poll. Um, quite a leap to go from unranked to the you know in the twenties to number five to number one, all in a matter of four or five weeks here. But uh, the Boilermakers have done that, uh, gone ten and zero, and with the schedule that uh, Purdue has played, it certainly um, you know caught some attention of the uh, those who vote. Uh, for the AP poll and uh, just made some massive jumps. There's a lot of reasons why Purdue is, is 10-0 right now. Uh, most notably, I'm sure, is Zach Eady, uh, 7'4 Canadian big man, is uh, averaging 22 points and about 14 boards a game. And, uh, you know, any uh, pundit that you probably follow on Twitter or Instagram or you know, watch on TV uh, is saying that he's a, a national player of the year candidate. So um, clearly that is the number one reason why uh, Purdue has had the success it has had so far. But uh, I think it goes kind of beyond that. It's clearly there's the two freshman guards, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, being far better than many thought they would this soon in their career. Um, but also, and I think this is a, a huge, crucial reason why the Boilermakers are 10 and 0 right now is um, they have nine guys averaging about four points a game. 
And that is um, just something you don't see. That that kind of depth, I think Purdue typically plays 10 players uh, most nights. Uh, Brian Waddell being the one that maybe doesn't score, but he does a lot of the little, um, you know, things behind the scenes that you don't see that set up um, plays or, you know, just being a smart basketball player. Um, and he's a guy that's going to get better coming back from, you know, he had a knee injury that's uh, held him back, but uh, he's a guy that, that will help this team in ways that maybe don't uh, show up on the box score, but uh, show up on the box score for a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, David D- Jenkins Jr. I think is the ninth leading scorer and he's averaging about four points a game. And typically if you get down to the fifth, sixth, seventh player, and those people are averaging four, five, six points a game. Your team's pretty good. So to have nine, that is, um, you know, that's an anomaly. That's um, a huge asset to Purdue, especially when you consider that probably out of those nine, any of them can can go off for double digits. You know, probably any of them are capable of of having a fifteen points in a game on any given night. Uh, Zach Eady probably is going to get fifteen to twenty or more points every single game. Um, that's just, you know, Purdue runs its offense through the post and, uh, he's going to be the, the leading scorer for this team almost every night, most nights. Um, and then you're going to have, you know, right now it's Fletcher lawyer being that, that second score, but it could be anybody. And, uh, I, I mentioned David Jenkins jr. Who's the ninth leading scorer on the team. Uh, Matt Painter believes that's a guy that can pop off for, for 20 at some point, And he, he probably will at some points. And, Purdue will, will beat a team because of it. Um, he's probably not going to do that consistently, but to have guys that deep um, in your rotation that are capable of doing that is uh, just something you don't see uh, at a lot of college basketball programs. So uh, that's why Purdue is, is 10-0 and right now. Uh, I hate to break the hearts of Boilermaker fans, but uh, the Boilermakers are not going undefeated this season. 10-0 and is great. Um, Next game up is Davidson on Saturday at Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Uh, Davidson is led by Foster Lawyer. I'm sure a lot of you know that last name. Uh, Foster is the uh, older brother of, of Fletcher Lawyer, the freshman guard at Purdue. So uh, that's kind of an interesting, intriguing storyline, aside from the fact that Purdue is playing as uh, the number one ranked team for the first time this season. And just the, you know, the, the third time in program history, Purdue had two games last year as the number one ranked team and, um, you know, lost the first one of those two games uh, on a half court shot at the buzzer at Rutgers. So uh, we start looking ahead a little bit. Um, Purdue's not going undefeated, like I said. Uh, when does the Purdue men's basketball team lose its first game? And I don't think that that is Saturday uh, against Davidson. I think Purdue wins that game. Uh, I think Purdue beats New Orleans and Florida A&M uh, at Mackey after that without much trouble. So then you get into Big Ten play, and you flip the calendar to 2023, and you have Rutgers at home on January 2nd. If that game was at Rutgers, I would probably give the nod to to Rutgers to win that game. It's a tough place to go there and win. Um, ask the Indiana Hoosiers who just went there and lost. Uh, Rutgers is, is a pretty good team, a dangerous team. Um, but I think at Mackey Arena, Purdue is not going to lose that game. So uh, if, if Purdue gets unscathed through that Rutgers game, uh, it would be 14-0. and And then you're looking ahead to a, you know, a span of two games in four days. I think uh, January 5th and January 8th are the dates off the top of my head. Um, at Ohio State, 
and at Penn State. And I would say that uh, one of those two games is probably Purdue's first loss. Clearly, Ohio State, uh, it's, it's tough to go to Columbus and win. Um, and Ohio State's a, a pretty good team, so um, would not be surprised if Purdue loses there. Penn State, coached by Micah Shrewsbury, who was on the Purdue staff uh, on two occasions, knows Matt Painter as well as anybody. He's going to know everything that Purdue has done to prepare for Penn State for that game, um, how he's going to counter everything that Penn State does in that game. You know, He probably knows uh, what Coach Painter is thinking um, you know, in terms of all the different uh, dynamics that happened throughout that game. So that's a huge asset for Penn State. Um, and I would imagine that um, it's not going to be an easy win if Purdue does go to State College and win that game. Uh, just a couple other things that uh, probably need touched up on. Um, Purdue women's basketball team is 9-2 and two right now. I think that's probably a lot better than, than most expected. Um, the Boilermakers, second year under Katie Geralds, maybe the silver lining in the whole Sharon Versip saga that happened before last season was that Katie Geralds became the, the head coach a year sooner than she was uh, supposed to. She was brought in um, as the succession plan uh, to Sharon Versip. And um, instead, she was, uh, you know, catapulted to head coach um, with not a whole lot of time to prepare for, for being in that role last season and still did a, a pretty good job. Got the Boilermakers to the WNIT, uh, won a game in the WNIT. Um, I think they have higher hopes this season, clearly off to a 9-2 and two start. Um, they had a tournament, the Boilermakers did, coming up in Las Vegas. Uh, Purdue was withdrawn from that based on uh, what happened recently in Las Vegas with another women's basketball tournament there. I'm, I'm sure some of you probably saw the Indiana women's basketball team played in a tournament there, and it was it was pretty much a, a, just it was comedic, uh, the setup that they had there. It was a basketball court put together in uh, what looked like a conference hall in a hotel, um, low ceilings, one scoreboard plugged into a wall in the center of the court that you couldn't even see the scoreboard depending which way uh, down the court you were going. Uh, it was not a great setup. It was um, a, a disgrace to women's basketball, and uh, Purdue wanted to no part of that and uh, certainly cannot blame a team for not wanting to go into a situation like that. Um, it's just pretty disrespectful. Uh, that sounds like that was a setup that was planned again for this. Um, but props to Texas A&M, who did step up and say, hey, you're going to lose two games out of not being in that. Why don't you come to College Station and play us? Um, that way you, you get at least one of those games in. Um, and so that's what Purdue's going to do on December 21st. The Boilermakers are idle until that date, um, but then go to, to play at Texas A&M and um, try to continue what's been a strong start. So I think uh, the two losses to Florida State and Maryland are by a combined five or so points um, off the top of my head. So really, you're just a few baskets away from being an 11-0 team right now. Uh, you can thank the uh, the phenomenal play of uh, Laisha Petrie, who's um, been the leading scorer all year long, had some pretty big games in the scoring department for the Boilermakers. Um, Abby Ellis coming off the bench has been a scoring boost. I think she's got nine points or more in the last seven games. So um, certainly that's been helpful. And, uh, you know, Coach Katie Geralds has, has, has something going here that, uh, you know, might start bringing people back to memories of 
seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, um, when the Boilermakers were consistently a team that you thought uh, was dangerous. Um, definitely going to be interesting to see how uh, the team performs moving forward. I think they've got a chance to make the tournaments. Uh, so, you know, that would be a huge feather in the cap if, if this team can go from what it was two years ago to getting back to the NCAA tournaments under Katie Gerald's. Uh, touching on one NCAA tournament, uh, going to another, uh, kind of wrapping up here. The uh, Purdue volleyball team did um, wrap up its season recently, losing to Louisville in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, Purdue probably, uh, to be honest, got shafted a bit with its seed, had to play the top seed Louisville in the second round at Louisville. Uh, definitely not an easy task at all. Uh, but Purdue just, you know, was outscored by 12 points that night. Um, and that's, you know, that's not bad at all, considering that uh, Louisville is, is right now in the Final Four. So the Boilermakers were just, you know, uh, <clears throat> I mean, it's probably several plays, but uh, fought valiantly against a team that's, uh, you know, got a chance to win a national championship here this weekend. So uh, props to, to Dave Shondell and his staff there, because I, I don't know that a whole lot of people thought that team was going to win 21 matches and get to the second round of the NCAA tournament when uh, when it had lost pretty much most of its uh, contributions from two straight Elite Eight teams uh, with the graduation departures last season and then with, with one transfer uh, exiting after last season. So uh, to go 21-11 and 11, um, with this team, uh, probably overachieved a bit. And uh, then you start thinking, well, moving forward, the team should be in pretty good shape. Um, had the best freshman in the Big Ten this year, and Eva Hudson um, was just a, a dynamic playmaker for them. Was able to score a lot of points. Uh, Raven Colvin, the uh, the daughter of of former Purdue uh, defensive end Roosevelt Colvin, the uh, older sister of Purdue men's basketball recruit uh, Miles Colvin. Uh, she was a star uh, this year. She's going to be a star moving forward. She's a, a big time player. And she's got two more years after this. So uh, that certainly bodes well moving forward. And on top of that, the volleyball program is bringing in a, a top three recruiting class that's led by the number one recruit in the country for the 2023 class and Chloe Chicoin, uh right down the road at McCutcheon High School in Lafayette. So definitely big things on the horizon for uh, Purdue Volleyball. Um, I kind of wanted to keep this Boilers Extra podcast going. It was started by... Uh, two colleagues of mine, Nathan Baird and Mike Carmen. Um, Carmen's kind of taken the reins the last three years to keep it going. Uh, sounds like from his truck, from restaurant tables, from wherever he could find a place uh, to do it. I am currently sitting in a recliner in my living room if you need a location update. Um, but there probably will be um, episodes from the car um, as well, well as elsewhere. Um, I'll try to pinpoint my my location for you all if, if you're interested in that type of thing. But I did want to keep this thing going, uh, certainly since there's been a, a lot of news uh, in the last week and a half uh, in terms of just the football, men's basketball programs especially. Uh, and uh, I look to keep this thing moving forward. Uh, so with that said, I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, thank you all for tuning in. And I uh, hope you'll tune in again next time.